Okay, welcome to the post show. This is where the fun stuff happens. All right, let me let me get the uh, Amazon Anonymous theme song. Okay, I mean we really don't want to forget about Amazon Anonymous since we plugged it so much, so we should do it first. Yeah. Uh... So we we're looking at our purchases, and we got some great purchases this week. But one really stands up and above all the rest. There's a Kindle ebook out there called Paradise Hops. This is a craft beer fiction romance novel. Right. This is a... Uh, it's the Fifty Shades of Stout. Right. It, it, <laughs> it is Rule 34 in action. Rule 34, for those who are not aware, uh, is an internet rule, which states that if it exists, there's porn of it. <laughs> and, yes. Craft beer exists. <laughs> There's part of it. Now, we were curious, so we were like, well, it's 99 cents. All right, let's buy a version. Let's take a look. One of the first things that I read from it was uh, something about her leaning back while while the person's oh, oh, voice you, you was You gotta coming. find that. You gotta find oh, it and read it. Uh, okay. You can do the find for that word, right? The keyword. And yeah, should, yeah. And read it off to us. I think we're gonna play November Rain. No, I just this oh, is this oh, is our oh. Amazon Anonymous. Oh, it's Anonymous. Okay. <laughs> uh, I didn't remember how to spell it right. <laughs> what you be in there like three hundred times? It's a brewing term, right? Yeah. We won't spoil it because it's really the punchline of the joke. Okay. Anything else that you see in there? Oh, and Amazon Anonymous? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't have it up anymore. I figured we were just going to talk about Paradise Hops. Yeah, okay. So, I found the... Dang it. Look at that theme. Paradise City, Paradise Hops. We didn't even, man- we didn't even plan that. <laughs> no, we didn't. At least not consciously. Oh, sorry, this book is not enabled for searching. Oh, jerks. Um, all right, so... Read some of the reviews. Read some of the reviews. Right, I'll read some reviews. Greg's going to look for the quote. Okay, so here's the description. When the ideal man truly loves you, but his polar opposite will not exit your fantasies. Garrett Hunter is a dictionary definition of, a masculine, of masculine perfection. Handsome, successful, stable... Eager to settle down, he has just landed his dream job. General manager of Brockton Brewing Company, one of Michigan's oldest and most storied craft breweries. Ellis Buchanan is a craft beer rock star, recently hired to drag Brockton into the 21st century. Wait, it's it's an oldest and historic craft brewery. Craft brewery. So that means it's like, what, 15 years old. (laughs) And... Needs to be dragged into the I don't know, it could country. be like Yingling, right? I guess. And he brings him innovation and ego in equal measure. His reputation is morally is for a morally casual attitude precedes him, but he masks a fear of commitment. He earned the hard way. Okay, so I guess Lori Brockton realizes she owes her father to take the place of family business, blah 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 blah. Okay, which review? Powerful, 
emotional, hot, great story. Five stars. Paradise Hops by Liz Crow. Paradise Hops is a beautifully and heart-wrenching... Beautifully... Okay, so I didn't read that wrong. Paradise Hops is a beautifully and heart-wrenching story of healing and redemption. A story about love and how life can bring you beauty as you push through the adversity and find personal triumph on the other side. Tells a tale of a daughter of a brewery owner, Lori Brockton. She is victim of a brutal... uh, That's not sexy. Um... This is not your typical love story. It is so much more than that. I am not someone who minds reading formulaic novels. In fact, I often find comfort in reading thing like that because I know where the story is going from the first three chapters. Sometimes, however, I want to be shocked. I want to say, what? And terabang and terabang and terabang and terabang and terabang. I want to be... On that emotional roller coaster, Paradise Hops is this type of book. I am still processing all that happened, and I finished the book a few days ago. Liz crafted this story beautifully, and everything fits. It is not a shock value story, but boy, did it shock me in spots. Read the five-star review. That was was a five-star review. Let me find the right one. There's 36 five-star reviews on this son of a bitch. The one with all the steaming, is that the one I need to look for? Um, <laughs> trying to find... Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you can't find that great thing. Oh, that was gold. I know, it was gold, and I can't find where it is. I have no idea, and I can't search the fucking book. That's lame. We can try to paraquote it, paraphrase it, I guess. All right, so the, the girl was listening to one the of brewer, the guys. Brewer talk. Brewer talk. She's leading up against a wood storage container. Right. And, a, a, and, a barrel, a photo or something. And the guy is talking about diacetyl. And she's just dreaming about him as he's going on and on about diacetyl. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, okay, find something to read for me. Yeah, I'm trying to find something. Um, because the 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 review talked about one of the reviews we said talked about sex scenes, the heat, as I remember, right? When I sit down to read a Liz Crow book, I know I'm going to get three things: fantastic characters who make me want to crawl inside the book with them, a powerful story of intense emotion, and smoking hot. Burn up the page sex scenes. Paradise Hops delivered all three and then some. I will give you fair warning though. Make sure to have the tissues handy because you will need them. Did your comment too? <laughs> I think they were meant to cry tissues, but <laughs> you know, because this is Alyssa. I mean, let's use a squirter. <laughs> uh, Lori Brockton is breathing. But not living. After a brutal attack two years ago, she goes through life as a shell of a person that she once was. She grieves for the person while she lives. Uh, I, in I'm fear. sorry, I've, I have to take over here. Okay. Okay. Uh, 
Complications of the Heart by Andrea Thompson. I just, I, I just get to a point where in the review, uh, Lori loves Garrett and she wants Eli. What's a girl to do, huh? Apparently Lori is out to have her cake and eat it too. Me? I didn't really care which guy she ended up with. Wait! Actually, I did. I gave Garrett the slight advantage the moment Eli refused to wear a condom, and when he told her to basically speak now or forever hold her vaginal peace, because once he gets started with the boning, there's no stopping good old Eli. <laughs> <laughs> oh man too much you can't find that diastole quote i know I'm reading it so much better than paraphrasing it so um uh, don't let the love triangle you see in the synopsis fool you this is not your typical love story it is so much more than that does it have hot and steamy love scenes yes check i added the check does it have two amazing guys you only wish both fought over your affections? Probably. Winky smiley. Does it have H-E-A? As we learned. First thought it was homoerotic something, but now it turned into happy ever after. I would say yes, although it was a far cry from the one I was anticipating. They, do they get it on in the brew kettle? <laughs> it's a shocker. A shocker. <laughs> a shocker. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's go back into the book. Find anything steamy in there? I found um, sex scenes. So, but I, I can't search for them. So it's, it's great for radio, right? So, um, come on, come on, come on! Give me a sex scene. Give me a sex. Why scene. can't you do find in the Kindle book? I don't That's know. insane. You can't search the word cunt. Jesus. I don't think "cunt" is one of the words they use in a <laughs> in a, a romance novel. In a romance novel, it's a very romantic word. I'm taking it back. I'm making it romantic. <laughs> Cunt and dong. All right. So okay. Um, when Eli gripped her upper arm, she gasped. Jolted out of her mental deflection and stared at his hand, then up at him. Why are you selling? He bit each word off at the end, precise and clear, but she didn't get what he meant. His proximity, his touch, and the words coming from his mouth simply wouldn't square in her brain. She pulled out of his gasp. Selling what? What are you talking about? She stepped away, ears ringing and heart pounding. Attempting to control her breathing, she crossed her arms over her chest while her traitorous, hardening, hardening nipples irradiated from behind the thin cotton of her bra and T-shirt. He frowned and dropped into his chair. The dog's head emerged, and he scratched it distractedly. She perched on the desk across from him. Hey, Greg, check my dog's head. <laughs> and this is in uh, this is in italic, so this is, in, I guess, in her mind. Garrett, Garrett, remember what you have, Lori. Remember... What do you have, Lori? Don't be a dumbass, impulsive. Oh, my Lord. In an eye blink, she, he stood back up, pulled her to her feet, and was kissing her, sweeping her into her, sweeping into her mouth with his tongue, the hard rasp of his beard against her face, bringing tears to her eyes. He maneuvered them into a corner, flipped off the lights, and kept kissing her, pressing his tall, hard body into hers. They stayed silent, lips and hands all over each other without words or explanation. He popped the button on her jeans, shoved a hand into her panties with a groan against the skin of her neck. 
She propped a foot on a chair, tilted her hips, and gave him all the access he required as she tugged his long hair <laughs> loose, let it tumble around his face and shoulders. Eli, she mumbled into his mouth, Please, I need you. Not half as much as I need you. He <laughs> pressed against sexy her. Eli voice right there, my Lift friends. Lift up your shirt. His low, growly voice made her shiver. Oh, I got it right. <laughs> but she did it. God help her. She lifted it up, reached back, and released the clasp of her bra and cradled his head as he licked and sucked and finger-fucked her until she groaned and came all over his hand. Her body wouldn't stop shaking as he put his fingers in his mouth, then into hers, letting her taste herself. Wow! <laughs> I was not expecting finger-fucked to be used. Uh, I figured she would flower it up a little bit. And then the whole, yeah, taste herself. That's not what I was That's, expecting. Yeah. It's a, so, you know, Craft beer porn. Yeah. His next kiss was gentle. He held her close until she claimed, I'm sorry. Until she, until she calmed. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, he said, and stepped back, running a hand down his face. The regret she saw in his eyes brought a twinge of anger to her lusty energy. If he asked, she'd do anything he wanted. Right then. In the office. That wasn't even a sex scene. It was a finger fucking scene. <laughs> there was no, there was no pure penetration. Uh, wait. Oh no, it goes on. <laughs> She's not done yet. That's a real shame. You can't find the diacetyl quote. That was the okay. Best. She put a hand to his face, relishing the rough beard under her palm, even as she slid her other hand down, stroking his denim-covered cock. So yeah, so that was one of one of the scenes. <laughs> Paradise hops. Paradise hops. A play on Paradise Lost. <laughs> not the same book. Not quite. <laughs> not the same book. It's at not all. quite Milton, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe there is a Hops Club Paradise. There's Palisade, right? I wonder if someone bought this thing. It was a homebrewing book. Because <laughs> we did sell a couple of homebrewing books this yeah. week, right? They're in for a shock. <laughs> what the fuck? I thought this was a nonfiction story about a business. <laughs> Maybe it is nonfiction. Yes. So, romance craft beer novel. I never read a romance novel. I never realized they were quite that smutty. <clears throat> I mean, I thought uh, Fifty Shades of Grey was kind of outside the bounds of normal romance. All right, here, you want to, there, there's a sex scene. Okay. Um, let me see the good point to start. She glared at him a minute. Leaned back against the rough tree trunk. Okay. In seconds, <laughs> he had her in his arms, mouth slanted over hers, tongue forced between her lips. She started to pull away to protest. He fisted one hand in her hair. Fisted. <laughs> the other... <laughs> when we started, when we found this book, I'm like, oh, Greg, just search for fisting. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey yeah, and that fun yeah. stuff. Well, I wasn't expecting Was there point. actually fisting in Fifty Shades of Grey? From what I... Fisting Shades of Grey? 
from what I've gathered by not reading it and just hearing what people have talked about, yes, I believe there's okay. fisting in Fifty Grades of Shay. Okay. Of Shay? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Beer. <laughs> Fifty Grades. Fifty Grades of Shay. He fisted one hand in her hair, the other gripped her ass, held her close, forced her to feel his need. As the weak springtime sun set, he stared at her. The deep green of his eyes faded along with the light. Don't go, he whispered. He bit her ear, kissed his way down her neck, making her shiver. Whimpering sounds escaped her throat as a river of need coursed through her. She shifted, felt eager hands on her waist, sensed his urgency, and met it with her own. When he plunged a hand into her panties, she spread her legs, wanting nothing more than for this, this man, right now. A small voice reminded that they should talk, should skip the sex for one night, and really discuss what was happening between them. But a louder voice interrupted that one, effectively silencing it when he shoved her shirt and sports bra up and sucked her nipple between his lips. I'm sorry, she whispered between gasping for breath. Oh, Jesus, Garrett. She clutched his hair, capturing his lips as he stroked her to not one but two blinding back-to-back orgasms. When he lifted his face from her breast, she got a good look at his eyes, now that her vision had adjusted to the gloom. But instead of responding with words, as she knew she should, she reached down to free his cock from the shorts he'd thrown on her. Hold on, I gotta start playing the, uh, the music here. You ever think about being an uh, audiobook narrator? I think you'd be good at it? I think you would. <clears throat> Especially smutty craft beer ones. <laughs> um... Where was I? Now her vision is adjusted to the gloom, but instead of responding with words as she knew she should, she reached down to free his cock from the shorts he'd thrown on in his haste to find her, to bring her back from the precipice, back to his arms. Lori, you are gonna kill me, he muttered between kisses as she turned around and lowered the spandex over her hips, exposing herself to him. She bit her lip as he ran hands over his flesh, found a sharp edge of fear at the touch, but closed her eyes and forced it away. She had nothing to fear, not anymore. Not from this man. Take me, Garrett. She found his hand. Oh, she's fucking Garrett now. Yeah. I thought it was Eli still. Oh, there's no. a love triangle. I know, but I I didn't realize she wasn't fucking... So she's fucking the manager, not the brewer. Huh? She's, she's... Well, I mean, but this is the manager, not the brewer. I, I don't know. I, have, I don't know who the I, characters are. Eli, Eli is the brewer, and Garrett's the manager, like the brewery manager. Is that the case? I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, you, you've read more about this book than I've been reading it. <laughs> <laughs> Take me, Garrett. She found his hand, brought it to her breast. As he curled his firm body around her, she braced her hands on tree. On tree. She braced her hands on tree. There's not A, it's just on tree. She braced her hands. Spelling. Maybe there's only one tree. Mm. She braced it. There's only one tree in the entire world. They call it tree. (laughs) She braced her hands on tree and sighed with pleasure as he slid into her one delicious inch at a time. Fuck me, baby. Like you want to. I. I want it. He stopped as if shut off by a switch. She gasped as he pulled out of her, turning her around fast to face him. Lori, I don't need to prove anything, and you don't have to either. Tears poured down her face. 
the weaker Lori she thought she'd conquered in the last months, thanks to him, still had the ability to ruin everything with the infernal crying. He held her close, his rigid sex pressed between them. She slid her hand down to grasp it. She looked up at him as the words tumbled out. If being in love with somebody makes you want to kiss them, jump their bones, read their thoughts, feed them breakfast with your own hands, then kill them, or at least smack them silly, well, I guess... She shook her head. I guess I'm insane. You could get as far from me as you can. He kept staring at her. Finally, with a sigh, he covered her mouth with his, the kiss tender at first, then more urgent as she kept up her motion along his cock. He pushed her back against the swing, shoved her yoga pants all the way down so she could step out of them, then lifted her up and held on. She lifted one leg, perched on the edge of the swing. The second he slipped back into her body, her world fell into place. End of... <laughs> End scene. <laughs> I don't know, I kind of like remembering that role, though, even though we... Uh... Paradise Hops, 99 cents on the Kindle store. Just think of the fun you can have while you're trying to search for this diacetyl wine. <laughs> I can't believe we couldn't search for that. That was such a good line. <laughs> it was, it was the, the moment when we realized, yes, this is about beer. <laughs> Yoga pants. <laughs> All right, so what else is going on, man? Um, oh, I want to talk about this. In the I pre- got a boner. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Listening to you talk about sex does not give me a boner. Oh, uh, hey, reading about it. Here's some homeopathic bullshit for you. Okay, Arnicare. Arnica cream. Homeopathic medicine. Unscented. Paraben free paraben is a type of wax, right? No, paraffin is a wax. I don't know, I don't know what that is. Uh, great for massage, works naturally with your body. This is from Byron, France. <laughs> Product of world France. leader in homeopathic medicines. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason I have this tube here today is because Allison hurt her knee a week and a half ago at yeah. soccer practice, and it took her to the doctor and turned out it was uh, just a bruise, contusion. And our neighbors mentioned that all the soccer girls keep a tube of this and it helps with pain relief and whatnot. So Heather bought it, and I saw it immediately and saw homeopathic, and I'm like, oh boy, yeah, tube of bullshit, great. Um, I hurt my heel on Tuesday, like like where my Achilles attaches to the back of my heel. I hurt it a couple years ago running, and I on Tuesday when I was practicing, I hurt it again. I figured, you know, the tube of bullshit could stay in the bullshit tube or I could put it on the skin and nothing will happen, right? There's a placebo effect, at least. <laughs> There's the something. active ingredient says is Armica Montana 1X HPUS 7%. I'm gonna have to I'm look into this. Yeah, I mean, so, so like, you know, I am not saying that this... So, I mean, we put it on Ali's knee because, well, we already bought it. So, it's either going to go to waste or not. But I put it on my heel, and today my heel felt a lot better than it has in the last couple of days. 
even if it's just placebo effect, and even if it doesn't last beyond today, you know, I don't know, but, you know, I was kind of disappointed that this thing that my neighbor told Heather to get, and she brought it home, and it's, you know, proudly homeopathic bullshit. Um, I don't know. I just thought you'd have a have fun looking at that. I, I don't know what this is. I don't I mean, know what it is either. It's supposed to be like a, a pain relief, like for muscle pain and bruises and stuff like that. Hmm. Oh, they have, you hear the thunder? They have yeah. a thunder sound effect in, in the four string cortex. Four strings and some thunder tracks. So this is this is actually an herbal medication that also has a homeopathic thing. So It's not like a chilling or heating cream. Like a, like when you put it on, you really don't feel much of anything. Right, so 1X is actually not a huge amount of dilution. Okay. Uh, I think it's one-tenth dilution in that case. So each X is, I think, another ten, another ten times or something. Okay. So 7% of this is a... 10% solution of Arnica Montana, if I'm reading this correctly. But by homeopathic nose, the Arnica Montana should cause pain. That's the whole principle of homeopathy. You take what causes your pain, and then you dilute it, dilute it, dilute it, dilute it, and you, so you, you do like versus like. Okay. Well, it doesn't hurt when you put it on. Um, I I don't know if it helps my heel. I don't know if it helps Ellie's knee. Regardless, this is a this is a dra- This is a very trace amount of something, mm-hmm. yeah. not even enough to get into your skin. So the other ingredients, the inactive ingredients: alcohol, caprylglycol, carbomer, acetylpalamate, EDTA, disodium, glycerin, lyrolural macrogol glycerides. Pegoxyl 7, stearate, purified water, sodium hydroxide, sorbic acid, 1,2-hexanediol. I think that most of these are simply to maintain some sort of cream. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, who knows? I don't even have a real good point. I just, I was surprised that... Uh, There's no question the undiluted flower has some anti-inflammatory effects. The problem is you're unlikely, it's, it's unlikely that the clear effects are strong enough to justify putting in the bottle. But that would be the opposite of homeopathy, which is supposed to be put into, like I said, like versus like. It's something, if you want to get cured from a headache, you're supposed to take something that is going to give you a headache, then oh, dilute really? it, dilute I it, I dilute, never, it I, dilute it. I never knew that. I thought yeah. homeopathy was uh, equivalent to the word magic. Well, I mean, in a sense it is, because when you, know, when you see something like, they talk about a poison thing that, you know, like something to, to, to a homeopathic thing to, I don't know, to prevent stomach stuff, and then say if it's a hundred times dilution, that means that uh, 
they take something that would cause you stomach distress, right? And then they dilute it 10 times, and then they dilute that 10 times. So it's one gram in, like, 10 grams of water. They dilute that 10 times. They dilute that 10 times. They dilute that 10 times. 100 times they do this. So it would be as if you took all the oceans on Earth and you found one molecule of mm-hmm. whatever that was. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of dilution. Then they take that. That's 100 times dilution. Right, right. They take that and then they put that into your product and they give you that. So it's water. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It is water. And maybe just rubbing a cream on your thing helped. Maybe just the rubbing sensation and putting some sort of alcohol cream that sort of felt that came into you. Maybe that helped. Or it's placebo, right? You, I mean, even, I mean, so placebo is a crazy thing, yes, right? Yes. I've had the cream. I see homeopathic and I think, oh, this is a tube of bullshit. But it's going to cost, there's no opportunity cost for me to put it on my heel. This is one X, so it's one tenth dilution. So they're just barely homeopathic, as this says on this article, mm-hmm. and have some potential for conventional pharmacological effects, although probably only minor ones. And this is not pure homeopathic because this is something that's supposed to be an anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And you're implying it as anti-inflammatory. Okay. So, so maybe the, they, they're being a little... They're using homeopathy <clears throat> to, to jump onto the homeopathic train, but it looks like it actually has it actually has an active ingredient in it. So it's one-tenth diluted. It has 7% of a one-tenth diluted solution mm-hmm. as an active ingredient. <clears throat> I mean, one-tenth diluted is not much. I mean, you can get... Uh, there's still stuff in there. Mm-hmm. One gram versus ten grams of water, or nine other grams of water. Yeah, there's still stuff in there, so that's not homeopathy. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I saw this. I'm like, oh, they're calling it homeopathic, which, you know, is probably bullshit. But there's no opportunity cost for me to put it on. And then I'm like, well, something's working. Mm-hmm. Placebo effect or... Because, uh, yeah, I don't know. And, uh, like, a lot of soccer players like this stuff. That's where Heather got recommended from. Anyway, yeah, if it actually has real medicine in it. I mean, it has has a real herb in it that is supposed to be anti-inflammatory. And it's diluted diluted to one-tenth, but then 7% of it is that one-tenth solution. Among a cream, I could see that as working. For for minor, you know, sort of yeah. a minor thing, yeah. Yeah. You got any sore muscles, any bruises or anything? No. They actually mentioned that it, uh, what did they say? Uh, pain relief for neck, back, shoulder, and leg, muscle pain, stiffness, swelling, and injuries. It even helps with bruising, apparently. Anyway. Oh, let's get me a bruise. You have a hammer? <laughs> Like I said, Ellie got, had her knee stepped on uh, two weeks ago on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and or no, three weeks ago, and it hung around for a whole week. So we actually took her to the doctors to make sure everything was okay. They said it was just a contusion, just a bruise, uh, to ice it. And then our neighbors mentioned this, so we've been icing it, putting this on. And today she did pretty good. Today it wasn't bucking her too bad, so I think it's mostly mostly gone. It's been two weeks. Well, yeah, so, but, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, but you don't know how fast six-year-olds heal. Yeah, a week is like a year. You know, it's it's like if she has something for more than three days, 
you know, something is big time different, you know? Like, six-year-olds heal fast. Yeah. So, yeah, we had actually had, you know, we were kind of, you know, making sure there wasn't a bigger problem. And I probably need to go to the doctor to get this heel thing looked at. It's uh, It's been nagging me for... Yeah, bring this with you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Doc, how's this? It's bullshit or not? <laughs> Let's see. Um, what other interesting stuff is going on? Um... I got a letter from my bank yesterday saying that they're canceling my credit card because it was stolen at Home Depot. Huh. Apparently it hasn't made fraudulent charges on it yet, but they know my card has been sold or something. Mm-hmm. Stolen and, and potentially sold. So they're replacing it at a, at a not a rapid rate, but a moderate rate. Um, and if there's any fraudulent charges, they'll shut it down right away. Did I ever fully explain to you what a tensor field was? Yeah. Okay. You have? I nodded a bunch. Do you remember? Rough, vaguely. I can really simply explain it to you. Okay, go for it. All right. So what is a scalar? I'm not taking physics right now. This is... I can't... A scalar is just a number. Okay? So I'm, I'm not even defining this in terms of physics. This is just defining in terms of definition. Right, okay. So a scalar is just a number. If you were giving a number, that's a scalar. Okay? So six is a scalar. Eight is a scalar. Now, if you want to get into physics, anything that has just a number to it and no other dimensionality to it is a scalar. Mass is a scalar. Mm-hmm. There's just mass. Now, that is what we call a rank zero tensor. Just has it has one has one dimension to it. Okay, rank zero. The next step up is a vector. Now a vector is just two numbers in sort of a bracket formulation. So let's say six comma eight is a vector. Twenty comma thirty five, negative one comma sixteen. Those are vectors. And what you can think that physically is that a vector has a magnitude, mm-hmm. like a scalar does, right. and a direction. Mm-hmm. Okay? So vectors always have a directionality plus a magnitude. That is a rank one tensor. Okay. So now we get to rank two tensors, where tensors are to come into. This, has, this is three numbers. Right? So... 8, 16, negative 1, 2, 23, 14. Okay. So a tensor is a number in space that that references both a scalar dimensionality, so right, so there's mm-hmm. a value there, and then a direction in one mm-hmm. area and a direction in another another freedom of movement. Right? So you can think of this this way as you can either have a scalar or you can just talk about directions, just three directions. So you can say, you know, uh, left, right, or you can say f- length, width, height. If you were to find those numbers, you would have a tensor. 
Okay. Okay. So a tensor field is a field is just taking any particular area and applying numbers to every possible point in that area. Okay. So if you were to say a scalar field, for example, that's just a field that has numbers of a certain magnitude in an area. So when we're talking about a scalar field, that just means it's a field that's everywhere, and at any particular point, there's a number associated with that. And that number is a magnitude of whatever this field is in that area. So a tensor field is there's a three-directionality in this space, wherever you are. Any point in space, you can then ascribe a number that describes a three-directionality. Sure, right. And you can get into higher dimensional te- tensors, too. You can get to rank three, rank four, rank five. There's just more and more numbers put okay. together. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that explains really, I think, what a tensor field is. It's just a bunch of different numbers all thrown together that describe some sort of action or way that uh, that something coming through will interact with it. Because it will have to interact with whatever number is at that position. Mm -hmm. Then it will interact with the next number at that position. And so when we're talking about quantum fields, all we're really talking about is numbers at positions. That's it. There's nothing more than that. There's no actual physical structure. It's just a bunch of different numbers at different positions. Okay. That's it. Okay. Makes sense? Yeah. Cool. Enough, I guess. Kind of drunk right now. A little drunk. <laughs> I don't know if drunk's the right word. Not sober. Mm-hmm. So. But I thought, you know, I ran across a, a great way of describing tensors. It's like, you know yeah, what? I, I, I think, failed at that before. I think that's better than you did before. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Oh, uh, I don't know what else is going on. Anything else you have on your list? Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm working a lot in Amazon Web Services. That's some pretty. Fun you talk stuff. about the bash problem. Oh, we? oh, well, yeah, shell shock, shell, shell shock. shock. Uh, I, I've been kind of uh, skeptical of its impact. Then I read an article today. I, I don't know. The article was written very. Um. Very confidently. But I'm still skeptical about what he's asserted in the article. You know, sure, there's a problem in Bash. Right. If you... To me, there's two main places that this is only a problem. If you have a web server doing CGI scripts or own shell scripts. Right. You can inject, basically do a command injection and write files, read files, stuff like that. That attack surface is not something I have to worry about, right? It, we're not running CGI in shell scripts, in bash scripts. You know, we're running it. If we were still doing Nauticom stuff, it'd be a major issue. It would, but we're not. And then the other one is if you give people shell access on a box, but restrict the commands they're allowed to run, you know, like, Greg, you can SSH into this box, but you can't. You can only run these six commands. If you were in that kind of situation, you could escalate your privilege and run more commands than I allow you to run, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm already allowing you to log into the box. 
for me, that's not an issue. I mean, for me, most of our boxes are wide open by everyone, all the engineers in the company. Mm-hmm. They they know the root password on these test boxes and things like that, right? It's not an issue. And and then on the the boxes where they don't have the root password, their commands aren't restricted. If their user ID is allowed to run the commands, they can run the commands, right? This Shellshock doesn't change that. They can't run commands that root needs to run. It's not a privilege escalation exploit. It's a privilege restriction exploit. So those are really the two main attack vectors that I know of. <clears throat> so I'm really not too concerned. You asked me, so how busy are you, you know, working on Shellshock? Not nearly as busy as I was working on Heartbleed. Um, really, we only had one server that was, what's the word I want to use? Potentially vulnerable, but not probably vulnerable, right? The probability was very low that there was an exploit available on the server, but there's there was the potential that it could exist, right? So I upgraded to the available patch, <clears throat> which didn't completely solve the problem, but it mitigated most of the risk. <clears throat> and really, that's all I had to do. Our product at work has a bash shell. So we have a lot of customers asking us about shell shock. So working on patching that and getting a new patch out. You showed me that before. Yeah. Um, then I read this article today showing an example of something that's an exploit where it's an HTT, an Apache web request where they're putting the Shellshock exploit into the cookie field. And they claim that that is an exploit or that that will agitate Shellshock and let you do it. I'm skeptical that that actually is the case because as far as I know, setting a cookie in Apache is not using patch. If it is, Apache fucked something up a long time ago. So I still need to research that. I'm skeptical that that is true. There's a, there, from what I've seen, there is a lot of misinformation, a lot of FUD in Shellshock. Jennifer Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Why can't the bitch keep her clothes on? <laughs> Would you? Uh, probably not. In a body like that, you'd want to advertise the world. You want to remember it. I guess. It was funny because Damien was the one who told me about this initially, and uh, he, he, he showed me an example. He said, look at how simple this is. I'm just amazed that it's so simple. And I looked at what it was doing, and I said... Yeah, as a programmer, I can totally see making that mistake. And the reason is because when we're thinking about programming, very rarely are we thinking about stuff beyond our use case. I get what you're saying, but let me make one point before you finish so you can have this in your perspective as, you're ta- as you continue. Be Having a server that's vulnerable to shell shock and having an active exploit on your server... To Shellshock are two very different things. Yes. There are very contrived and rare instances that make you vulnerable or that make you have an exploit to Shellshock. You can log into 
your Unix server and do the test. And yes, it shows the server is vulnerable to Shellshock. But if you don't have a username and a password for that server, it's a different story. Mm-hmm. And this whole thing I was just talking about, this patchy cookie setting exploit of Shellshock, should not work. If it does work, there is a bigger bug in Apache. Mm-hmm. But that's the one thing I have yet to research. I need to research. Yeah. But but Damien was, you know, his thing was about how simple it was. And I was like, well, I mean, I can totally see as a programmer how you could miss something like that. Because you're expecting certain inputs. And, and you're expecting certain types of ways or things to exploit. But you're not thinking about... It, it, there's a you know common law program you've certainly heard this before which is you know if you design something to be idiot proof they'll just design better idiots mm-hmm. there's always going to be something you didn't think of there's always going to be somebody trying something because you're thinking about a use case and you're thinking about known exploits for those use cases you're not thinking about somebody taking what you've done and uh and trying something that you just really just work because we're human we're not robots we very few programmers write every line of code they write from right. a penetration mindset yeah you know they have a task think of our like your company my company right you're going to write something not everything you write you pass through the filter of how can this line of code be exploited exactly i mean and if you did you would cost too much money you would be too slow to release Mm -hmm. you would not be economically viable so there's a fine balance, right? And like, and like, there's always going to be people coming up with new ways to exploit things, and you mm-hmm. wouldn't have protected against that. So you can, you know, you could buffer your, all your stuff, make sure <clears> your <throat> stuff doesn't get buffer overrun by checking every variable. You can, uh, but fortunately now we have uh, you know, MVC languages that, that take care of that for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most your environment should handle, yeah, you know, sanitizing variables and stuff these days. I mean, look at Python, you know. I can't speak specifically to the ones you're using day to day, but I mean, Python is pretty good at cleaning stuff up, you know, and, and making sure all the inputs are sanitized, things like that. And it's like, takes no extra thought. So these higher level languages are definitely going a long way, I think, to mm-hmm. handling that. Yeah. And you could, you could off do, you could take all your SQL, throw it into storage procedures and do it that way. Uh, that's very. I mean, efficient. that's basically what Shellshock is. It's, it's just like a SQL injection attack, yeah. right? It's a bash injection attack, right? But if you don't have an exploit to inject arbitrary code, it's not a big deal, mm-hmm. right? If you don't have, so if you like, that's that's my point, right? And I have to double check this thing right today. But if you don't have Apache running a poorly written shell script with no input sanitization, and you can inject stuff on the query string, right? Shellshock's not a big deal. Um, but like I said, they showed they showed the HTTP cookie request doing Shellshock. And I need to verify that Apache actually has a vulnerability there. It should not. Or I should... Uh, Get a new job. I don't know. Yeah, get out of here. Get a new job. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's kind of it for me. I'm these freaking exploits though. I got stuff I got to do at work. I don't have to. I don't have time to spend a week cleaning up from shell shock and bullshit. I got things I need to do. Fucking hackers. All right. Oh damn you hackers. Yep. Oh, uh, 
Damien pinged me the other day on trying to push our company to sponsor the Brewers Ball. The oh. Sister Brewers one. Did he talk to you about this? No. So I kind of mentioned, uh, yeah, sure, but I really don't like, you know. It's really kind of a... You need to let him know yeah, okay. that it's not... It, it, it It's... Like, I mentioned, like, they don't do it right. I said, like, Pints for Prostates does it right. Yeah. And he came back with this skeptical, oh, so you mean you can get drunk and not have to think about the charity? I'm like... Yeah. They're getting money. But this whole stop drinking and watch this pity party? Yeah. Like... <laughs> I'll, I, I will I will discuss it with him next time. Next chance I get, I will discuss with him what, what that event is actually like. That one year we went. Maybe it's been different other years. I can't imagine it is. It's a much more hoity-toity event, yes. right, than than anything else. It, yeah. But yeah, he was kind of pushing back on me that, you know. Okay, I'll set him straight. So, so yeah, if you could help me out, that'd be good. Yeah, the Brewer's Ball is a... <laughs> it's a goofy beer fest. It is a... It is a way to get money out of people... Uh, and not a beer fest. Is it? Is not about the beer, not at all. The mm-hmm. beer is there as a, at best, a sideshow. That's good. I put it. Yeah. Yeah. So tell them about pints for prostates. I mean, there was things. There was a blind auction. There were or mm-hmm. a, a silent auction. There was other things. But I mean, they bring it. They bring it. Yes, they do. Brewers Ball does not bring it. They bring meh. And then they like, oh, stop drinking and watch this sad video. Mm-hmm. So, help me out. On your side. All right, cool. All right. Talk to you later. See ya.